I think you should be at least three times a week walking, running, biking, doing some aerobic fitness three times a week for 30 minutes. If you can do 60 minutes, maybe that's better. And then just watching what you're eating. I think that's, and, and I think that that is the one thing if you had to choose any of them is starting with your food. That is actually the one thing that has moved the needle the most in my life is changes in quality of food. I had great physical health, but I didn't have great metabolic health, or at least to the point that it was equal with my physical fitness. And in order to move the needle, I needed to change some of the ways that I was eating and reducing the amount of sugar that I ate, watching what my blood glucose spikes use in CGMs to get some information and insight, getting metabolic panels done. That was one of the things that helped move the needle the most. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the early startup team here at Levels. We're building tech that helps people to understand their metabolic health, and this is your front row seat to everything we do. This is a whole new level. We've done these episodes before around this idea of mindset. A lot of times it comes down to not the way that you do things, but the way that you think about them. How much mental effort, how much mental aptitude you have to put towards any task, whether it has to do with health and wellness, physical activity, or even work performance. Everyone is going to have their own approach and their own mindset to making things happen. Well, this is very true for Cole Sager. Cole is a Levels member and he was raised in a small town. He played Division I football at the University of Washington and he eventually got into CrossFit. And fast forward, Cole is now an eight times CrossFit Games athlete. In 2019, he was ranked sixth overall in the world. And really what he wanted to do when he grew up was he wanted to play in the NFL, not because it was professional sports, but to build a platform. He had this idea if he could put his mental aptitude, his effort, his mindset into practice and he could influence others through it, well, that would be a pretty special thing to do. And so he continued on having this mindset, even though football wasn't his eventual path, he did pursue the same mindset in CrossFit. In 2017 at the CrossFit Games, he was awarded the Spirit of the Games Award. And in his words, it was one of the most special moments as a professional athlete. That is what he set out to do. He's on a mission to motivate others to be the kindest, hardest working versions of themselves. And so Cole and Josh Clementi, founder of Levels, they sat down and they talked through Cole's story as both a member, a CrossFit athlete, something that they both share in common, and this idea of mindset, what it takes to put your mind to anything you do. Anyway, no need to wait. Here's where they kick things off. Well, just to just kind of tee things up, you know, I'd love to just get into your background. You know, there's um, there's a ton of amazing stuff that you've you've done in your career, but I'd love to figure out where it where it originates from. I've been an athlete my whole life. I think that's kind of one of the the big markers of of me as an individual. From a really early age, I was just an active kid. You know. And I think one of the easiest things to do with an active kid is put him in some sort of physical activity. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was pretty quick and pretty, pretty obvious that that was a, an easy direction for my parents to go. Uh, you know, so they put me in sports at a young age. I explored so many different sports and uh, ultimately ended up falling in love with football. That became my, my sport love and, uh, you know, followed that and really devoted a lot of time as a young kid to putting a lot of effort and energy into that. Ended up getting um, an invitation as a, as a preferred walk-on at the University of Washington where I earned a scholarship uh, for my four years that I was there. Um, started on uh, special teams, all the special teams throughout my career there. And uh, that, was, that was an amazing time. That was, that was just awesome. And uh, you know, I think that uh, just the spending a lot of time in athletics that we're not growing up is and then playing football is what also allowed me to transition so easily to CrossFit. And that transitional period, obviously throughout my college time, uh, and we could dive into that story a little bit if, if wanted, but in my college time in college athletics, uh, I started to really dive into my health and uh, not necessarily my metabolic health. You know, I was a little naive and, and, and ignorant to that um, at the time, but it was more so a... Uh, 
who am I going to look to? Well, the bodybuilding community looks really healthy. You know, I will, I'll, I'll look to them for a lot of advice. And so, uh, you know, they have great physiques, so they must be healthy. Uh, and so, and, and so in college, I spent some time really focusing on my, uh, my nutrition and, uh, and then also, uh, my beta, med, metabolic conditioning, which was something that I didn't realize that I was doing at the time, but I was like, Hey, this seems appropriate for how I want to perform on the field. I should train like this. And that training and I think some of those nutrition principles that I started to gather uh, when I was in college made for an easy transition into CrossFit, though I think also in college I did kind of form a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with food, uh, but also it was a good foundation for me to to build upon once I uh, got out of college football and, uh, you know, exposed me to some things that I could that I could learn from and, and grow in, especially considering that my senior year I had to gain 35-ish pounds, trade move positions from fullback or from running back to fullback, gained a bunch of weight in like the span of five months. And uh, so anyways, with all that knowledge, took that into transitioning to CrossFit. And so now I've been doing that for the last 10, 10, going on 11 years or so. And it's wild. Uh, but yeah, all of that, all of that from, from being a, a, you know, an active kid, I rode bikes, I rollerbladed, I tried skateboarding, snowboarded, and then I played every sport under the sun, every team sport under the sun, it seemed like, and then played football and all of my training background and that. I think all of that kind of built a really good platform to be, to really have really great body awareness as an athlete, to be able to transition to the sport that I'm in now and, and compete well in CrossFit. And that's been, a, that's been an amazing journey, one that I've learned so many things uh, about about health about metabolic health about fitness health um you know and and the longevity of of, of an athlete and longevity of life uh that i'm excited to continue to use for the next you know hopefully 70 years or so you know that would be that'd be wonderful so uh yeah it's been it's been a really fascinating journey yeah you know it's it's really interesting to hear the journey you just described because um you know, if I were to guess, I, I would guess that the element that kind of gravitate, gravitationally attracted you from kind of traditional all-American sports into CrossFit is the competition element, I, I, I would assume. Yeah, and I'd love totally. to hear more about how competition shows up in your life. And then I have a follow-up question uh, on yeah, that. Interesting. It's so interesting. So uh, there is, there's a very common storyline that you would hear in a lot of people who, who are introduced to CrossFit. And it's um, a friend introduced me to CrossFit. I took a CrossFit class or I did a CrossFit workout. It kicked my butt. I fell in love. That's the general template, if you will. Beautiful. I love the concept. And I, wa I love watching that transpire. Like, I love being part of that and taking somebody through a workout. And you just see their eyes open like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I loved this feeling. Um, and a lot of that is like a, a little bit of an internal competition of like, I didn't realize that I could pull that kind of, uh, that, that, I don't know who that, that being inside of me. I didn't know I could pull that out. And they're really impressed with it. That I love. Uh, mine was actually a little bit different. Uh, I had a friend sit me down in Chipotle 11, almost 11 years ago, 10 years ago. And he was like, hey, look, you're going to give up this dream of playing football. It's tired. Let's do something else. You're going to start doing CrossFit and you're going to go compete at the CrossFit Games. I laughed hysterically in his, I just saw you was just like, Man, this is, the, this is the foolish thing I've ever heard. Most foolish thing I've ever heard. I play football. We're tough. We bench. We squat. We don't do push-ups and pull-ups with hands. That's for CrossFitters. That's no way. Uh, totally arrogant about it. And go check out this video. And he actually sent me a video about um, those Rich Froning and Dan Bailey, two uh, figures in our community who are, who are legends, who are just some of the OGs in our sport that a lot, many people look up to. Wonderful human beings. They were just talking about their impact on the community that they wanted to have. They, they weren't doing a workout. There was not any cool B-roll or footage of them doing awesome things. They were just, it was an, a small interview, maybe three minutes or something like that. And they were talking about the impact they wanted to have on the community. I was like, that is really cool. And if, if there are people leading the community like that, that's the kind of community that I want to be a part of. And uh, I'd gotten a little frustrated with the football community at that time in my career. It's just like, that, that's awesome. I'm interested. I will look at more videos. So my friend sent me some more videos and then it was like some really cool games footage. And he was just like, he hooked me and then he just like, then he just slammed me, you know? <laughs> so 
was like, oh my gosh, this footage is so cool. I'm in. What do I got to do? Um, so then I, so I was hooked at that time. I was like, okay, I want to do this. Let's compete. And I'm going to go to the CrossFit games, uh, transition maybe, or uh, fast forward, like maybe a week. And we just got home. We, we played our final bowl game, my senior year, uh, college football bowl game. Um, and when we got back from that, uh, that evening, when we got off the bus, I went to the, uh, the IMA, the, the intramural athletic, uh, club, um, on campus. I grabbed a barbell, put some plates on it and I did great. So that was my first CrossFit work. <laughs> um, kicked my butt just like it would anybody else, but it was really cool. Just the, the my, um, my mentality was, and then, you know, this goes back to the competitive side of what you were referring to is, uh, it was more so about wanting to have an impact on a community, want to be a positive force for something good, um, in a community that, that was really the competitive driver for me. So it wasn't so much about satisfying a competitive physical nature, as mm. much as a drive to have a resounding impact in a positive way in a community and in people's lives. And using the platform of sport, of athletics and CrossFit specifically, in order to do that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I want to pull that thread further, but uh, but first I want to yeah. I want to take a step back. And you, you mentioned something in your journey, which is really interesting. And it's something that I resonate a lot with. And that was as you were working through the performance elements of fitness, yeah. you started to also pay attention to some of the more nuances around health. And, and I'm really curious, you, do you make a distinction between fitness and health and wellness? And if so, what is that distinction? And where do you draw that line? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I think there's a beautiful, uh, a pretty simplistic definition that CrossFit uses for health. Um, and that is essentially fitness over time. I think when looked at and analyzed, it, it covers a lot of bases. I don't think it covers everything, but I think it covers a lot of bases. And the reason why is because if you are going to have good quality metabolic fitness, aerobic fitness and health over time, that's going to produce a lot of good things in your life and will help carry. Uh, and, and if you're carrying your fitness over time, it's going to help produce a healthy lifestyle, uh, probably more than likely a healthy body. Um, but I do differentiate the two. I think that they are, they are very different because I can have acute fitness, if, if you will. Fitness, like I can, I have, which, which most people would define as um, a good physique, um, uh, ability to run a six or seven minute mile. You know, it, there's different, there's a plethora of different markers uh, in CrossFit. Ours is work capacity across broad time and modal domains. So just ability to, to do work uh, in short durations of time or, you know, quickly, <laughs> I exercise quickly, you know. Um, and so if you will, you can have acute physical fitness, but then there is metabolic fitness. And I think that is very different. I think that that is an internal amount. And I've had this in my journey, I've had this checked many times where uh, six years ago, I had plenty of good fitness. I was competing at the CrossFit Games. It took fifth. And then I had blood work done. And I was like, oh my God. Well, that's eye-opening. Uh, my uh, my blood glucose was a little bit higher than I would like to see. My cholesterol is a little bit higher than I'd like to see. Um, some of just my biomarkers were just a little off. And I was like, huh, like, what what is that? I have, I thought I had great fitness and I thought I'm healthy, but I wasn't in that acute moment, I wasn't healthy. I was able to do a lot of work quickly. I had good physical fitness. But I didn't have good health at the same time. And I believe now, fast, and fast forward in another you know, six or seven years, as I believe fitness should be looked at more holistically of, I do have good physical fitness and I do have good metabolic health and fitness. It's so interesting to, to start to hear that distinction emerge, you know, so, so, we, it sounds like we share a lot of uh, similar themes and in our lines, you're, you're much more athletically accomplished than I am by far. But, uh, you know, I grew up playing sports and when I got into, into college, you know, my intention was to become super fit. And um, so that's when I, I found CrossFit. And then my, my goal, you know, again, all orienting around fitness was, was to find the people who look the fittest and they're clearly the healthiest and copy what they're doing. And this was at the time, you know, I'm watching a bunch of bodybuilding videos and learning yeah. about macros and about reverse dieting and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, 
the the thing was, I was a calorie as a calorie absolutist because they were, you know, pop tarts were a perfectly good way to replenish glycogen. And so I, you know, I would eat anything, and you know, eventually through school and getting out into the real world, I, I started CrossFit myself, um, just because it was you know the fittest people on earth. I mean, that was that's the tagline, and totally. so I, I you know got an got an L two cert over over time and was just like kind of getting my competitive juices flowing by doing that, and. The, the kind of pivotal moment for my life was when I realized that fitness and health are different things and I've been tracking the wrong metric. And this is when I actually is when I got a CGM, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of dialogue going on and it's various okay. modalities. You've got Peter Atia, you know, talking with Inigo San Milan, a, a really great episode that they dive into this on the drive, but Peter goes so far as to say that he thinks peak performance and peak health may be orthogonal, meaning, uh, once you get to a certain threshold, if, you know, getting a, a better PR in the Tour de France, for example, might come at the expense of, of some health, um, in a sense, because you might be deteriorating your body or something like that. Totally. So I'm really curious about that question in your mind. You know, you're at the tip of the spear for performance and, and athletics. How do you think about that trade? Is it, does it feel like a trade or, yeah, how, I'd just love to hear your thinking on it. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's really interesting because I've, I'm, you know, I'm coming to the point in my career now, I'm 32 years old. Uh, there's not many people who have competed in CrossFit at that age for um, an extended period of time or when you start to get around this age for an extended period of time. And so now I'm starting to look at my career from the point, the, the stance of longevity as well. And uh, that forces me to think about a lot of the things that you're referring to right now and uh, how can I approach training to allow for longevity in my sport? Because I know that the way that I used to train or that I still train for the most part is beating my body down to the extent that it could be the very thing that is keeping me from having more longevity in my sport. But I think that that is just a small snippet of what that is also doing the overarching theme of my overall health as an individual. Uh, because I do, I, I teeter with, and I think all of us games athletes and uh, anybody at the pinnacle of the sport, the, the cycling community, especially, I mean, the, the suffering that they have to take themselves through <laughs> um, when you're a cyclist is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, marathon runners and triathletes uh, as well. I would love to just dive in there because like there is that element of extreme discomfort. And I, I wanted to tee that up as well as like, you know, what you do competing in the CrossFit Games. I mean, it's, it's like, it's torturous to some people. People can't imagine the amount of discomfort and pain involved. Yeah. And I just wanted yeah. to hear your thinking on it. What is the role of discomfort and pain in your life? And, you know, yeah, you know, just take it away, right? Around that vector. I love the question. What is the role of it in your life? It is, it, it is without your choice, it needs to be your best friend. Uh, like if you want to perform at the level that, that I want to obtain or any of the other athletes, or like I said, the cyclists and other people in those communities want to obtain, the, the suffering side of it, the physical breakdown of your body has to be something that you've become friends with and that you desire to see. <laughs> and that's what I mean by a friend, because you desire to see your friend, uh, that, that, that if you will, suffering and misery uh, that your body goes through uh, is kind of the pathway in which we force the body to adapt. It's, I mean, you have to take yourself, intensity is the key when, you, when it comes down to it. Intensity uh, um, and, and the right doses and the right doses is is the key and now that's just, which takes me back to one of the things that i started to say is i teeter with overtraining all of the time i'm playing with a nice edge constantly and especially in our sport being so young there isn't a great definition and there isn't a lot of good quality literature and research around how to best optimally train for crossfit other than people who have done crossfit and you know are, are in and of their own right a case study for it um which you know i have 10 years of experience, I feel like I can speak to that, but there's still, there's not great literature and research behind it that supports that, right? So, um, you know, I can look to quality research that shows how the best way to gain uh, muscle hypertrophy and strength and the best way to improve your aerobic capacity or anaerobic capacity on the bike. But I'm mixing all of those modalities in one week, sometimes in one training session. And in order to maximize those, like, you exhaust the body, you, you exhaust, in some days you exhaust every energy system that there is to exhaust. And, uh, you know, that, that is, that is something that you just have to, you have to become friends with and, and, and learn to enjoy. Otherwise I don't think 
And honestly, otherwise, you won't see the returns. I have gone through seasons where I tried to stay away from that too much and kind of pulled back. Like, oh, if I if I never over train, if I never touch that line, maybe that will be my best response. And every year it's been my worst performances. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the discomfort thing is so, it's it's such an interesting rabbit hole because um, I think there there is an assumption that as you get more fit, as people get, get more adapted and um, more capable, yeah. that the, the discomfort goes away. But the reality is when relative effort scales. And so I, you know, I just want to hear you like, t- tell, tell us about the, the most uncomfortable experience when it comes to, to fitness. I mean, is it, does it scale with, with performance? Like, is it the 2019 games um, where you took six over, overall? Like what, what's the most uncomfortable physical fitness experience you've had? The most painful one that I probably ever experienced was me just making a massive mistake. And that was at the Rogue Invitational last year in 2021. Uh, they had this event called the Echo Burner. And it was 20 thrusters at 115. The, that's, if there was a movement in CrossFit that I'm the most confident in, it's thrusters. So I was like, oh, awesome. Especially a 115 bar that's kind of heavy for some guys. as light for me. It's, you can cycle it quickly. This is going to be wonderful. I'll be, I'll be off that in 35 seconds. Uh, then it was a 40 calorie echo bike. And then after the echo bike, you did another 20 thrusters. And so I'm also a bigger male. And so my confidence level on the echo bike is a little bit higher. Like I, I, I just, uh, I, you know, relatively my output is a little bit easier to get, uh, you know, certain wattages than some other guys. I'm not the highest, but I'm kind of in the, in, in the middle to upper, upper range there. So, I, oh, this is going to be a great event. I came out guns to blazing. I did the first thrusters really fast. That was okay. That was okay of me to do. It was the neck. It was the bike. I went way too hard on the bike way too early. Um, my, my metabolic conditioning or, you know, or my, my anaerobic thresholds and aerobic thresholds probably weren't peaked enough at that point in the season to be able to hold the wattages that I was holding, but I had the ability to. So I was doing it tanked hardcore but then you have another 20 thrusters and it was just it was some of the most physical pain i have ever like i was numb from toe to ear and like my my honestly like my brain was kind of like like felt like it was like the top of my skull was like radiating i was like oh they're like what is happening like your vision starts to close in and um you know for probably 20 minutes afterwards just a mess like that was a that was a brutal that was a brutal workout. So probably the most physical pain that I felt in a workout. Um, what was the total duration of the of the event? Uh, that took us two minutes and forty five seconds to do, and and that's the amazing <laughs> thing. You know, it's like <laughs> time contracts, and there's this like the most painful experience of, that you you're describing here is two minutes forty five seconds. You know, yeah. At, at at first blush, people can think oh, I can do anything for two minutes, but the reality is like the the will to make it through like what are the tools you use to grind like what how do you build the determination to grind through that kind of struggle um whether it's short duration or longer training cycles yeah so there's two parts to that question which i really think is interesting and i do want to back up actually really quick before going to there's something that i do want to back up that you know i was i felt like i was kind of leading people into into this suffering concept and um you know and, and the physical pain that we're talking about um I want to perform at the peak levels of my sport. It doesn't necessarily mean that people taking themselves and overtraining all of the time is the appropriate thing to do. And uh, I want to make that very clear. So I don't want to lead people into thinking like, oh, I just need to suffer every single day and just crush myself. That is not the right way. And I believe, and, and maybe we'll lead to this uh, later in the conversation, but I believe that leads to poor metabolic health if you do that. And, and because this is my physical choice as an athlete, to do this, that this is a place that I need to take myself to. Um, and which is, goes back to your, your question that you just asked is, is, you know, it's like, how do I have the determination to do that? And I think it's a two part or two part answer. And first and foremost, there is a really particular reason as to why I'm doing this in the first place. Why am I in, why am I an athlete? Why do I gear up every year to want to win the CrossFit games, to go through this when it's not getting easier. Athletes are just getting better. That means that my training is just getting harder. I'm getting better, but it's not, not none of this is getting easier. If, if, if anything, it has gotten harder year over year to stay competitive, which means in order to win, it's just going to, it's, it's twofold, threefold harder than it was 
four years ago. And so um, having a really good uh, mental, emotional, psychological reasoning and understanding of who I am and why I want to do this, I think is extremely important. I think many, many people would just define that as having a really strong why uh, and purpose behind what's driving you forward. Um, so I think from a little bit of um, motivational per perspective, I, I lean on that heavily. And then, um, and then the other side of the thing that I think is the most simplistic way to answer is I dose myself that regularly, that discomfort and that pain that you're talking about that I have to take myself to. I visit it frequent enough that I know things are going to be okay. Um, and one of the things that we talk about in my training, me and my coach, um, we talk about is building confidence in movements or building confidence in workouts. And really all that means is getting to that place where you know, and you're confident, you can hold these wattages, you can hold this pace, you can suffer for 20 minutes at this pace. It hurts. It's miserable. But guess what? You can do it. So just do it. And then it's over and we move on. And so it's, it's, it's that, it's that concept of, 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 um, introducing yourself or dosing that into your life on a regular basis that gives you the confidence like, Hey, I, I can do this. I can do this. And over time, your body's going to adapt and you can go a little bit harder and you can go a little bit harder and you track that, you follow that and you don't get six months down the road. Yeah. Yeah. You expose yourself to it and six months down the road, you're fitter and healthier for it. That particular capacity, which I think is, is the best way to describe it. It's like you're, you know, you're building physical capacity to move weight and you know, over broad time and functional domains, but also it's a, it's such a mental capacity, right? To, to like that confidence here, we're using a lot of emotion terms really. It's like totally, um, totally. understanding what you are capable of is a, is a process as well. And I, I'm just, yeah, I'd love to hear from, from someone so far into the physical side of this, where else do those tools show up in your life? You know, where building that capability, building the understanding of what totally. you're capable of and the, the ability totally. to suffer for time periods, you know, how else does that show up in life? Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, you're getting into some deep topics here. I love it. Uh, I love that. Um, so that's actually part of the one of one of has been one of my fascinations with CrossFit over the years is when I started to do it, I started to realize like, wow, this has a lot of carryovers um, and 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 is really just a great analogy for so many aspects of life that can can carry you through. Um, through different challenges and whatnot. And as an athlete, I've started to see that, that a lot of the principles that I have to lean on as an athlete ring true in a lot of other areas of my life. And, and like, one of the things that I often tell people is like, I see sport is just like, it's like being in life and fast forward. You know, you get to see like glimpses of life and principles of life that you have to work through as an athlete. And sometimes you, you see a handful of principles in a year, in a training month, and sometimes even a day that, some people will never see in their lifetime, but you're forced to in, in this acute season of my life as an athlete, like if you want to maximize this portion of your life, you have to be applying these principles and these concepts. Um, going on the challenge of, of competing, the challenge of CrossFit side, um, showing up every day and then just doing what you can that day to the best of your ability. Uh, my wife and I actually experienced that in in, in a very specific way when our son was born really prematurely and it was just some be, some some of those foundational concepts of just who we choose to be and who we choose to be consistently every day in the gym started to transpire as individuals when when we were faced with that he was born uh, with an emergency c-section um we were very close to losing him within a couple of hours um he was born at one pound 12 ounces and and then uh, stayed in the NICU for three months. And throughout that, it was like, hey, there's, we choose to put ourselves through challenges on a very regular basis. That is just training grounds for us for life to be able to know that we have the strength to carry through the challenges that life is going to give us, no matter what it is, no matter what the workout is. We don't get to, I don't get to control what the workout's at at competitions. I have no idea. So sometimes we even like literally are going on the floor and we don't even know what the workout is. You know, and it's like, I don't know the challenge that's going to, that's going to be presented to me. But what I do know is that I have prepared myself, whether it be physically or in this case, internally to face the challenges that life is going to present or my sport is going to present to me and having the confidence that, you know, 
having the confidence of that moving forward to be able to stand there and be like, hey, I can handle whatever is thrown at me and I will just give my best foot forward to that. Uh, it's something that can carry you through a lot of challenges. I mean, I, I absolutely love the, uh, the element of individual readiness and, and empowerment and just preparing for the uncertainties of life. You know, there's no, all of us are operating in uncertain in an uncertain yeah. world to some extent. So totally. Yeah. I, I, uh, I really appreciate you. you sharing that background and, you know, I think it, it comes down to, um, you know, some themes that I'm, I'm wanting to get at with you because so in 2017, you won the spirit of games award and yeah. most people probably don't, don't know much about the award, but essentially, um, it, it's, it's not just someone who shows up in the games, an athlete who's, a, who's elite in their category, but also has an extraordinary character who inspires, motivates, lives a little bit differently, goes out of their way to show grace and kindness and resilience. And it's sort of this whole package sort of, uh, yeah. sort of award. And it's, it's really an important one. So first of all, congrats on winning that. And Thank secondly, I, I just want to hear more about, you know, your, your value system, how, how you, you know, it takes a lot to show up on, uh, you know, at the games and, and put effort in and just get there. And a lot of people can go tunnel vision and they kind of block everyone else out. You know, what, what do you do in your life? You know, what is it about you and what you value that causes you to go out of your way this, in this way? Oh, thank you. You know, I, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, if I was to describe myself, um, it would be inappropriate me and, and, and untruthful if I left out the fact that I just, you know, I think one of the core of who I am, um, I'm a faith-filled man. And in that, uh, you know, some of the basic principles that come out of that is I believe that uh, the most important thing on earth is really just the souls of people, you know? And I think this is one of the things that uh, whenever um, I look at my day and my circumstances is I want to get beyond myself because I'm passionate about about caring about people, about people's souls, because of all the things that I'm being faced of in the day, if the souls of people are the most valuable thing before me, it doesn't matter what the accolades are, what the accomplishments are, what uh, things I can get and life circumstances I can have. Uh, they don't trump the fact that there is somebody who is right in front of me that is that is very valuable. And um, so I think at the core of who I am, that is something that resonates uh, or is really resounding in my life. And so, you know, that's not to say that I don't have responsibilities. Obviously, when I'm at the games, I can't just sit there and high five and shake hands all the time to every single person that comes my way. But I can carry myself with a smile with, um, you know, hopefully with a level of grace about who I am um, and be opening and kind uh, to the interactions that I do have. And um, and sometimes the, the kindest thing I can do is just say, hey, like, thank you so much. I wish I could have a little bit more time, but I got to get going because I have another thing coming up, you know, and, and people are going to be understanding of that for the most part. Um, but, you know, I, it's very, I think it's very much, uh, very much about that. And, you know, I, wouldn't, I really wouldn't have it any other way. I, you know, I, I've been asked the question of like, hey, would you, would you rather win the games or, or uh, win the Spirit of the Games Award again? And uh, now that I've been this long in my career, I honestly would say Spirit of the Games again because it's, a, it's like, you're winning an award for character like that's and not that i want to be you know not that i want to be awarded for my character but you know it speaks to maybe some of the things that i'm putting some focus on and wanted to be a good person wanting to care about other people wanted to show and you know and resonate love uh, you know in my life uh towards individuals so um you know not that winning the crossfit games wouldn't be amazing i think that, that also shows a lot of a lot of great character and a lot of it takes a lot of great discipline but i think that uh, building really great character also takes a lot of discipline. You know, taking that direction of, of other people further, you know, I think one of the interesting things about CrossFit, which I've, I've grappled a little bit with, and I had the opportunity to spend some time at CrossFit HQ a few years back and really hear about the CrossFit health movement and the MDL one movement. And a lot of these efforts that CrossFit was bringing up that were related to bringing on more people, you know, CrossFit games is amazing. It's, it's a, it's a show of the, some of the fittest people on earth doing extremely impressive things. That at the end of the day, you know, I think CrossFit has a deeper value system, which is helping people move from zero to one, right? Getting, getting from a position where maybe they've never exercised consistently before, or they've struggled or they're injured, or they have an existing, you know, circumstance or condition, um, getting them active. So I, I'd love to, you know, just based on all of the, the data that's out there, exercise is one of the most, if not the most powerful health intervention out there. Obviously yeah. it can be taken to a limit like we talked about earlier that might go a little too far, 
But in general, if there was a pill that did what exercise did, everyone would take it. So knowing what you know, like the degree of fitness that you've achieved, how do you share that with people? You know, how do you, how do you, besides, you know, being a kind person and living your values, but like, what, what do you do to, to help share what you know about fitness with people who otherwise look at it sideways or wouldn't consider it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually, I love this question um, because it's been a really convicting thing in my life as of recent. Um, because I have, I do feel like at this point, you know, I, I got into the sport to, to build a platform, quote unquote, uh, to be able to help people. And I think one of the things that I've in that time is I've gained a, a pretty solid knowledge base and foundation in you know, what it takes to gain fitness or health and take people from zero to one and, uh, you know, and it just help people in that, in that aspect of life. And, um, it's like, you can have a great platform, but if you're not using it, like, what good is it? So um, it's actually been a really convicting thing for me and something that I would love to to do a better job at, whether it be through social media or different means, um, which I've explored in the past. You know, we tried doing YouTube for a bit to just show a little bit more of the day-to-day into our lives and maybe give people ideas of what that could look like and how they could uh, maybe move the needle and inspire them in some areas of their life. Um, you know, I've... Uh, well, I think up until this point, it's been a little bit more of just the the presence of just trying to be a good example of it, and um, and maybe that could could drive people or inspire people to make a change in their lives. Um, um, but even now to this point, like I've gotten to the to to the point where I was like, hey, like maybe I could do a better job of sharing that and verbalizing that and helping people answering questions um, through different mediums. Well, it's, it's really interesting because I think the, it's just what we've, what we've learned at levels is just so much of behavior change is mm-hmm. confidence and, and consistency really. And, and what's, you mentioned it earlier, it's not that everyone has to just be suffering every day in order to yeah. get any value from fitness. Right. I mean, it's um, like, if anything, it's actually probably the opposite where it's the consistent small thing that you do that just gets some movement, gets your blood flowing tells your body that you're alive and keeps you growing that I think people discount now because we have such a culture of extreme fitness and elite athleticism that it feels like if I'm not like that, then what's the point? Um, you know, so do you, do you have any like tactical tips for people who are, who are feeling that way, who who don't really, they, they don't think of themselves by any stretch as athletes, you know, how, how, how to engage with their bodies more? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I love that question because there's just like, the way that I, and going back to your previous question, even like the way that I do do that currently and share that information, I, you know, I talk with plenty of friends, my family members, uh, acquaintances, you know, I have those conversations all the time, you know, and people in my life who maybe have direct contact with me, they obviously look at me like, oh, hey, like you must be the pinnacle of health and fitness because you're doing this on an athletic endeavor. Well, like, thank you, possibly, also possibly some of the downsides of what we were talking about <laughs> a little bit ago. Um, but, and, and many athletes, and, you know, we even see this in my sport today, many athletes are still using a, if it fits your macros, having cheat day, um, eating plenty of fried foods. And honestly, if you take a, uh, a look into their metabolic health uh, through a blood biomarkers or something like that, they may very well may show that they don't have the healthiest, that they're not the healthiest that they could be. But going back to your current question, one of the things that people can do is just uh, a, a, a few couple of things is that I think that it's important to do a little bit of resistance training. I think you should be um, at least three times a week walking, running, biking, doing some aerobic fitness three times a week for 30 minutes. If, if you can do 60 minutes, maybe that's better. Um, and then just watching what you're eating. I think that's, and, and I think that that is the one thing if you had to choose any of them is starting with your food uh, and just being more mindful of that, choosing healthier. That is actually the one thing that has moved the needle the most in my life is changes in quality of food. I had, and, and I, I alluded to that earlier in the conversation, that I had great physical health, but I didn't have great metabolic health, or at least to the point that it was equal with my physical fitness. And in order to move the needle, I needed to change some of the ways that I was eating and um, reducing the amount of sugar that I ate, watching what my blood glucose spikes use in CGMs to get some information and insight of uh, what that do is getting metabolic panels done. And that, that was one of the things that helped move the needle the most. And uh, one of the biggest things that was helpful for me, at least, was getting that insight, gaining that insight. 
And so for a lot of people, it might start like, hey, get a little bit of knowledge. Like what, where are you currently? Um, test yourselves, whether it be through blood markers, do a CGM, do some physical tests, and then set some goals of where you would like for those to be. And then wake up and do those physical activities, do a little bit of weight training, hit your aerobic capacity, um, stretch, you know, four to five times a week. And you do those types of things and you're going to be so much better off for it. And then we can get into the plethora of things like sleep and um, recovery. And, you know, that's a whole nother topic that you can get into. Um, Obviously, sleep being a very paramount importance into my training and I think to everybody's um, overall health and longevity. But um, I think those are some of the, the, the key, key aspects. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's great advice. I mean, I think that for people listening, just realizing that knowing that 30 minutes of, of, you know, resistance training doesn't mean necessarily like hitting a ski or, or jumping on a bike or something. It, it could be walking up hills, you know, for 30 minutes in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. And I think it's really empowering to hear that. And uh, I think it's definitely a great tool. And it's so interesting because there's, there's, there's so many, these things are so tightly connected, you know, exercise kind of cascades out of maybe the confidence that comes from sticking to a new way of eating that's more intentional and that's more health focused. And, and that might lead to, you know, in my case, uh, I was doing none of these things except exercise. I would, I would exercise and that was my thing. It's like, I'm fit, therefore I'm healthy. Yeah. And my realization was that nutrition was causing this, this chaos in my body that I was feeling as energy loss, just fatigue episodes and irritability and mental yeah. just cloudiness. And, um, and, and that I never knew my food could have such an effect, but that was leading to poor sleep. And that poor sleep was leading to less motivation to, to get up and exercise early. So instead I would do it after work when it was late and then I would sleep poorly in that, that vicious cycle. And so the ex- access point for me was nutrition. It was, it was CGM and seeing that, that my food was driving these, these blood sugar variability uh, episodes that I felt in so many different ways. Um, and so I think that that's true for many people. Like some, some people find sports first and then, then nutrition later and for others, it's the other way around. Um, I'd love to hear about your experience with levels, like what it was like when you first came across it and how, how you've used that information. It was first frustrating is what it was. It was really <laughs> uh, because I, you know, I had spent a lot of time in getting and focusing on, um, uh, blood panels, metabolic panels for, for, uh, blood work and whatnot. And those showed a lot of markers that, that could definitely be improved. Uh, my blood glucose, my fasting blood glucose definitely being one of those. And so I started to eat the foods that were recommended and make some of the lifestyle changes that were recommended, some of the supplements and, uh, and whatnot. And I started to see some improvement in those but it wasn't quite moving the needle to the aspect that I wanted to. And then uh, I was introduced to levels and, and did a CGM. And that was like watching, and I tracked my macros for uh, 12 to 13 years. It, I mean, it was, I've, I've been wow. tracking macros since college um, and, and all throughout uh, my CrossFit career. Um, that's just personally what I, I find the best prescription for myself um, mm-hmm. and give my, myself the most mental piece to be able to, to, to focus. And, um, I like hard data, which is kind of who I am. So, so that has worked really well for me, um, for a long period of time and, uh, uh, almost become second nature. And so, so watching that and knowing exactly how I eat, I have a very structured routine and it was interesting to see. And I could almost like tell you what times of the days I have dips in energy, how I feel throughout the day when I bonk in the afternoon, all these, you know, how long I can get into my training, uh, a training session before I just run out of energy or I need to go eat something uh, without having a good understanding of what was going on internally. And then to see, uh, to see my graph <laughs> with levels was a little bit eye-opening. And like I said, frustrating because I didn't realize how often I was spiking my blood glucose uh, how certain foods actually impacted me versus conceptually or theoretically should impact me. Uh, and that would, that allowed me to make even better nutritional gains. I thought, and, and I'm even improving it more, even looking into some better concepts of metabolic efficiency and how that can be utilized throughout the types of training that I do, as opposed to just for aerobic athletes. And, uh, um, that I'm really excited to explore. And I think that that levels has given me a great ability to see inside, to see a, like a, a picture inside of the body of what is going on uh, so that I can make objective 
decisions related to, you know, building up confidence in your physical abilities. I think, I think it's similar in the sense that yeah. having exposure to the data can start to build confidence in, in the decisions you're making. And it might be counterintuitive in some cases, it certainly was for me, but, but then you, you know, you, it's, it's counterintuitive. Oh, this other thing wasn't working, but then you can build confidence in, in a direction that is working. This is sort of a, a specific question to your, um, you know, athleticism, but how do you, I'm curious if you've seen exercise related blood sugar fluctuations and, and what kinds have you seen like, um, elevations related to your efforts? This is, this is fascinating. I'm actually, uh, we, I've been working with somebody at levels kind of tracking this and, uh, it's fascinating. I call it the dinosaur back is what I call it. Um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you look at it, like. I have my morning and I'm pretty good at keeping my levels nice and low. And then as soon as I start training and obviously my training looks different, my training window looks much different than the average person. Um, so it's not so much a spike, but a very elevated period of time where my blood glucose has spiked a bunch, gone back up, gone back down, gone back up, gone back down until I finish training, have my last meal and I start to recover for the day. And then it kind of flattens, but tapers back down and levels back out. And, uh, I've noticed with high intensity training, I obviously get the most spikes, uh, high intensity being maybe heavy loads, uh, with weight training, hard aerobic efforts and bouts. Uh, but then the things that I've actually noticed the highest spikes with are very potent, high intensity CrossFit metabolic conditioning sessions. So, uh, that workout that I talked about with echo burner, I actually did an iteration of that a month ago. And that was the highest blood glucose that spike that I have seen, uh, ever with levels. And, and, and it was that one, it was thrusters and echo pipes. I did intervals of it only lasted eight minutes. So, you know, I worked for, I think a minute 30, took a minute 30 off and did that for like three to four rounds or something. That's nine mm -hmm. minutes. Um, so three rounds and biggest spike I got, um, was really fascinating. So I'm excited to learn more about that. I don't think that there's, I haven't been able to find a lot of great information of like what to do about that or with that. Um, but, but we're exploring that and we're excited to see, but that is, that is where I've seen, um, some really big spikes. It's so fascinating because these sorts of things there, there was as of, you know, three years ago, there was literally no information about this. It was mm -hmm. considered a, you know, a, a, a non-existent phenomenon. And we now have increasing insight into yeah. Uh, some of these likely natural and potentially even, you know, hormetic responses where, uh, you know, we, we know that the outcomes longer term of high intensity exercise in include insulin sensitivity improving. And so to see, you know, these huge elevations, certainly in regions that we would, we would not want to be seeing from food, you know, uh, we totally. would definitely guide away from that. And understanding that the, you know, it's, it's fundamentally a different thing physiologically to give your body a huge kick of sugar versus yeah. your liver kind of adapting to your constraints, your circumstances and producing fuel yeah. for you. And now mind you, when I have those spikes, I think that's something that's really important to know is they have the spike up and the recovered down almost are identical. If not, uh, if not the, the, the coming back down is even quicker. And I think that that is an important thing to know. Um, just a good sign of, of the ability to recover your blood glucose levels, uh, insulin sensitivity and, and the have you. So just something to note there, cause yeah. if not, it's like I said, there's spikes all throughout the day. But again, my training is a lot of high intensity, um, about throughout the day. So I get a spike and I recovers and I get another spike cause I do another high intensity piece and it recovers. Um, and overall throughout my graph, my day looks elevated in the center. But those are spikes and they come back down. It's not just one big stay up there and come right. down afterwards. Sustained elevation, right? Which we, which we would, we would, uh, it would indicate probably some more cortisol or stress related, mm -hmm. sustained stress or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of these myself. It's interesting because there are, there are definitely people in the data set who don't seem to respond as aggressively uh, to, to super high intensity exercise. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very curious about the, the phenotype, the sort of like personal physiology that drives this. And uh, whether or not it's an adaptive response, you know, like are these people able to outperform or sustain longer effort because they've got more energy available in the bloodstream? Yeah. Really fascinating. And, and frankly, we, we just don't know enough just yet. Well, so I'm actually really excited to see this because there's, there's, a, there's a concept and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier with the concept of metabolic efficiency, where I would like to, to train my body to use fuel more efficiently. Uh, you know, I do fasted cardio. Uh, I 
um, trying to teach my body to use a little bit more fat as fuel. Um, when sugars aren't plentiful, the body go to fat stores rather than needing to rely on doses of sugars to be able to put better carbohydrates in my body and my body use it more efficiently rather than having to eat the pop tart that so many people claim that you need. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. Like I believe that you can train the body to use the food that you give it to become more better, uh, you know, you use it in a more better bodily efficient and, and beneficial way. And so I, I'm really curious because this is obviously, this is, you know, what I've had over the term level with levels to date, but as this has probably been about two months or so that I've started to look and try to change my diet. Now I've also gone through a very, uh, an extended time of competitive season over the last two months with the CrossFit Games and the Rogue Invitational and, and whatnot. So I haven't really been able to, to uh, extend that long enough to have what I feel like I get the change that I want. But I'm excited to see like what you're talking about. Like could, could those spikes be a little bit less as I teach my body how to use and be, you know, become more better, more efficient, and use different energy sources at different times in a more uh, in, in a more beneficial way. So, um, I guess to be continued there, but I'm excited to, to see. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about metabolic flexibility, or you know, we call it metabolic fitness, but the um, the ability to adapt to the fuel source that's readily available, and and even above that, you know, the, the fuel source that is preferred. In this case. You know, a lot of people think about CrossFit or sort of high intensity sprint type workout as being, you know, anaerobic, you need sugar to do it. So you know, totally. you're not going to be burning fat. And that's, that's definitely not the case. We're actually, right. you know, in general burning fat at all times. There's only the very, very highest effort where we like their burning glucose. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Like, do you, um, you know, how much do you bring fasted training into your exercise routine? Do you generally do that for the longer efforts? Do you also do fasted higher intensity stuff? And, and what have you seen there in terms of, improvements um you know has there been a performance impact so to i mean to directly answer your question i i first and foremost started doing that with longer cardio bouts in the morning uh doing those fasted uh using you using those as the, the way to try to train my body in that but up until this point in the last couple of months i've almost been afraid to do my crossfit workouts fasted or without uh you know a dose of more easily absorbable sugars um, right before the session because, well, what if I don't uh, have the same output in the gym and I don't get the same output and then I'm not getting the same training and stress response from, you know, and, and I've had a lot of those concerns up until this point, but now I'm looking at it like, hey, I think that I can train my body a little bit more and be more metabolically flexible like you're talking about and use different energy sources. And so um, I haven't, to this point gone that far um again i've had a lot of these thoughts but with the competitive season it's not something that i wanted to mess around with in competition because it's like there's just that theory that that you know principle of like, hey just don't do something new in a competition here so i've stuck to what i've done in the past because what i've done in the past has worked to what i know it to be working as but I would like to see this and, and, and it's actually these last two competitions and this last competition season is what has really driven me to move forward in this because uh, at the CrossFit Games this year, I was eating an ungodly amount of food and needing to consume just, just ridiculous amounts of food in order to feel like I'm staying energized. Then I have bonks between events. If the bonks come at the wrong time, you have a bonk during your event. And there's this, there's this feeling of, um, we call it like the, a veil has been pulled over my eyes and it's just, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. And like, I can't get my body back up for the event. And I've now coming to believe a little bit more after using levels and looking at my blood glucose for an extended period of time of like, maybe that's a little bit more of a, you know, a glucose drop if you will or um you know the the you know metabolic fatigue i don't you know i don't know how, how better way to put that that could be transpiring and there's something more internal that's going on rather than just like hey i'm just tired for the event because um it's it, it's kind of a weird phenomenon that that has made me look at those of those events specifically and like everything that i've done leading up to that event 
and I, sh I should have felt better. I slept fine. I ate fine. I had energy. What is actually going on there? Um, and so that's really what drove me to want to explore a little bit more of the metabolic flexibility that we're talking about. Um, and so that my body isn't so dependent on the precise grams of sugar right before an event within the right specific window. It's like, hey, we, the body is better, is more efficient than that and can be more flexible than that. And so let's find that and explore that. Yeah, for, for people listening, you know, the, the reason to train fasted or the rationale is that you know, you're forcing your body to use the the most energy dense stores, which happen to be body fat. You know, our, we, we, we've got nine calories per gram of fat of energy available and only four calories per uh, gram of stored sugar, glycogen or, or sugar that we introduce. So it, it is a very high energy density uh, space. We've got like eight, a lot of people have somewhere close to 80,000 calories of fat energy on their bodies, even if you're not overweight. Um, so being able to train the body to, to tap into that rather than into the Pop-Tart that you just ate uh, for totally. the energy to fuel the workout. So I'm really fascinated by it. And I, I, my, my last question on this topic is, um, how is the larger community approaching the sort of nutrition rethink that, that you're, you know, you know, you're diving into with CGM mm -hmm. and really taking a, a more quality and maybe even, you know, yeah. uh, an altogether outside the box approach to, to fueling, you know, yeah. is this something that you're seeing at a wider scale or is this kind of just, the one-off and relatively early. So this is actually uh, something that I'm really excited about for the future of our cross of the CrossFit community and the fitness community at large. Uh, I believe that we're currently going through a, a phase or a trend in our community and, and the fitness community at large where um, the concept of a, a calorie is a calorie and if it fits your macros is still a little bit too prevalent. Uh, and early CrossFit, some of the OGs and, you know, we go back, you know, 13, 14 years, uh, even 10 years ago when I got into it, uh, things like the paleo diet and the zone diet, uh, essentially diets that were cleaner and had cleaner sources of food that I think that the body would use in a more, in a better way, uh, were a little bit more popular. And then some of the traditional bodybuilding or fitness community, sports science uh, started to bleed into the community where now we've started to see more athletes utilizing that type of thinking and, and obviously athletes being a, an aspect of the, of the community that people look to for advice or get inspiration from and, and motivation from. Well, on a lot of athletes, Instagrams, you're seeing pictures of cookies and treats and and people begin to think that, oh, well, if they can eat that and perform that way, then it might be okay. And, you know, the, if it fits your macros, it became very popular. Uh, five, definitely five years ago, it was booming, um, you know, and still lingers a little bit. And so uh, I'm excited as athletes start to become a little bit more aware and there becomes more data through companies like Levels uh, that start to show, hey, there is a better way to eat and to train and, and to eat for training. Um, that will bring people back to the concept of eating uh, for better metabolic health and that you can have good sports performance as well. And, and I think that if you can have more athletes doing that, uh, it's going to help drive the community towards that. And I think that's the whole goal. I think that's the whole purpose. And it's why CrossFit has been so beautiful is because the sport and the community have worked so cohesively. And I don't want to see those separate and I want to see those come back together and work as one organism. And I think that that, I think that that is where the future is headed. It's just, I think dead on. And, and, and so I think it's so exciting to see the technology and the, <laughs> honestly, the longstanding concepts, yeah, they are extremely beneficial and, and, and synergistic. It doesn't have to be, yeah. um, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be a clash. Absolutely. It's, I think the thing that I've really loved about CrossFit for a long time is they've been forward thinking about things like sugar. You know, added sugar has not been something that CrossFit really pumps in the way that other sports and performance kind of uh, leagues, so to speak, do, Absolutely. right? You know, it's Absolutely. Like it is the substrate for most energy. Um, so yeah, I love it. I'm very excited to, to kind of watch yeah. this continue to percolate and continue yeah. to see the experiments that you're bringing and, and follow yeah, along you. the journey. Um, sure. There's thank just you. a ton of exciting stuff ahead. Mm, cool. And I, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time, man. This has been such a good conversation. Is, is there anything else that... Um, you know, from, from all the experiences you've had, from your perspective, anything else that you'd like to share with the audience or 
um, you know, would like them to follow along on? Man, you know, I, I, you know, I think it, it, um, if anything is just, I, I would encourage people to experiment. Um, you know, it's like, there isn't, the, the, the best thing you do is because it would be to start with something, pick something that sounds like, hey, like I'm, these people are seeing results for it. Um, like, try it, like experiment with things. It's, it's one of the best things that I've done um, with my own career and my own, uh, my own life is just experimenting with things, trying new things, um, always looking to be a little bit better in a different area and assuming that I don't know and that I can gain more information and gain the insight is extremely helpful. It's been the most valuable thing for me is just gaining the insight, taking the time to look inside the body to get hard data on workouts or or my physical health and my and my metabolic health. And so I would definitely encourage that to people uh, when, when they have the time and the resources are to do that. I think it's extremely valuable.